This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. The reason I'm prepared for this position is because I've been preparing for this all my life. Our goal is to compete and, and really put a fun team on the court that really gets after it. T-minus 15 seconds, guidance is internal. We're very talented. I mean, we go out there and compete at a high level and give a lot of effort, we could be a good team. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What is up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join myself and the Athletics' Ali Khan Bijani each and every week live Tuesday, 9 p.m. to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way that we talk sports. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. Be sure to Follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as at Apollo HOU. And joining us, as he has done a handful of times already, is none other than in-house Locked on Draft expert Richard Stamen. You can follow him on Twitter at Mavs Draft. Richard, how's it going, man? Hey, doing all right. Happy to be back. We are, we have a, an exciting episode today. We're talking Jalen Green. And honestly, Richard, I, I've you know we're going to get into the specifics here, but I feel like there's a lot of people that are extremely high on Jalen Green. Like every time that I host a locker room or any draft topics come up with the Rockets, I feel like that name, Jalen Green, is just leaps and like people are more hyped about him than some of the other top five candidates. Do you think that's a little bit misplaced or do you think that's that's a fair assessment? I mean, his upside is pretty crazy. He owns the title that nobody even comes close to him. He's the best athlete in the draft. Just pure explosiveness. It looks like he's at his, like, effortlessly getting his head at the rim. He can shoot, you know, again, the shooting and athleticism combo is just unreal at 6'6". So someone like that, they get it, the hype is deserved. So just a little bit of background on Jalen Green. So he was the number one ranked high school prospect at ESPN's top 100 for the class of 2020. Then, you know, he decides to go to the G League, the new development team playing for the Ignite along alongside uh, Jonathan Kaminga. And he wound up averaging 17.9 points, 4.1 rebounds, 2.8 assists and 1.5 steals per game, shooting 46.1% from the floor, 36.5% from behind the arc. And his final game of the season, he had a 30 point, seven assists, five rebound performance uh, in the Ignite's only playoff game. And I guess we'll start kind of with his physical because that's, that's an area where just looking at his build, part of the reason he's so explosive and springy, right, He's he's got a kind of a lighter frame, right, Richard? Yeah, I mean, he's very skinny. That is far and away, it, it leads into his biggest overall flaw, which is that he's just not a good defender right now. He needs to add a lot of strength and weight. You know, some guys just need to add the weight so they can absorb contact. Uh, like De'Aaron Fox is an example, even though he was strong enough to finish through it. But he is missing both. If that makes sense, no, that that totally makes sense. It kind of, but he's still able to, you know, from from everything that I've seen and read about him so far, you know, he's still a very very talented player at, when it comes to creating his own shot, whether that be you know creating off the dribble or driving to the rim, and that's something we're going to dive into the specifics of his offensive and defensive skill set here in the second segment. But I want to go first 
we got to we got to roll out his projected draft range because I've always I think the handful of times you know that we've done these now Richard I've been a bit surprised because you kind of throw in that terminology each time about you know where you would rank him versus where you would pick him and I really love that that distinction so where is your projected draft range for Jalen Green uh so his range goes from it starts at three he's not going top two um, but he, it's a very quick range. He doesn't, he's not going past six either. It's, it's a very, four teams could get him. I don't think any less anymore. That's a, and you know, I, I wonder, and each time that we've done one of these, you know, is there a scenario where like, what's the scenario where you see him going at three? Like what team do you see, you know, what two picks happen before him and what team lands at three where you think, yeah, I could really see this team taking him third overall. So it's a little bit tricky. There's, I really don't think actually any of the teams three through six, that's Orlando, Cleveland, Oklahoma City, and Golden State as of now would say no to him. But they also aren't, it's not like a big need. You know, Houston, for example, in, in Detroit, he fits like a glove in that situation, but there's just better players ahead of him. But I, I, think, I think if a team is willing to forgive fit, you know, especially for the first two years when you're pretty much developing him, I think that there's a very good way you can overlook a, a shooting guard like him. Like in Cleveland, you know, they already have a Coro, they have Garland, they have Sexton. So they have like a logjam of, you know, guys that can all play shooting guard to an extent, uh, except obviously Garland's mostly point guard, but they could still take him because he's just that talented. Okay. And just as far as raw talent is concerned, when you look at the, you know, the top four or five prospects or so from this draft, would you put him solidly at, at like the fifth most talented or do you, do you rank him over a couple of the other top prospects? Yeah. So I, my ranking, like, I, I think in terms of raw talent, he's probably top four and that's a pretty consensus thing. But like in terms of talent translating to the NBA and success and where I put him on my big board, I actually do have him six. It's a little bit different uh, just because he's so raw right now. And I do have concerns about him being able to use his upside, if that makes sense. No, that totally makes sense. Uh, as far as kind of getting a better idea of, and we're about to dive into you know his, his specifics offensively, defensively, the strengths and weaknesses there, but what's your best comp or a couple different comps that you have for him right now? So I think the first person who kind of comes to mind it's a weak comparison, but you look at a good outcome would be he improves his defense enough to get to this. Um, and actually, this is probably a floor end is if you look at someone like Gerald Green, you know, obviously Houston, uh, a Houston legend, uh, if I should say he he's someone who comes to mind just with that athleticism shooting combo, uh, less of a creator. I think the comparisons are with him are just so hard because, you know, he he's unique in terms of having the athleticism and shot that he does at that high level. I really, I, it's hard to like, are, who are some are, guys are there, that come to mind for you? I mean, I, there's, there's some I, shades, there, there's some shades of like Zach Levine there a little bit, right? Like that I'm getting kind of some kind of, you know, you talk about the explosion, the athleticism, the ability to create for himself clearly is there and the ability to, you know, get his own shot is there. But, you know, the area that, you know, as as one of his weaknesses that we're going to dive into is, you know, but creating for others, right? Playmaking for other the other guys on his team and getting his teammates shots. And so that kind of reminds me of an early Zach Levine a little bit. Yeah, I, I think he just creates a little bit less for himself than Zach Levine would. I think he kind of, if you trade off some of the creating for others and creating for self, they're kind of flipped. 
that's why I'm hesitant on that. I also have used a Zach Levine comp for someone else already, so I'm also scared to double down on that. That's a. Hey, that's totally fair. We can we can double dip on the comps. It's okay if you haven't used a Zach Levine comp on anybody else on this podcast. We'll keep it a secret between you and me, Richard. Um, <laughs> coming up, we're gonna we're gonna get into the the specifics, the offensive defensive fit. Um, you know, areas that are needed for improvement where he where Jalen Green thoroughly flourishes. All that good stuff. After a quick message from our friends over at Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, breaking down Jalen Green, one of the top prospects in this year's NBA draft. Now, specifically, let's get in, Richard. You know, I'm kind of looking at Jalen Green and thinking, you know, there's there's not a scenario at all, right, where the Rockets would take Green over Suggs. And I'm not mistaken in that regard, correct? Yeah, I think I think they would actually. I, I think if they're going for the upside, they would take Green over Suggs. I think he, they're both equally in the mix. Because I'm looking at as far as you think, you know, fit for this Rockets team moving forward. And obviously, there's gigantic question marks surrounding John Wall and Eric Gordon and what's going to happen there. And they do kind of have already, you know, a a logjam in their backcourt when you consider that those two vets are going to be back next season more than likely, unless some kind of miracle trade happens this off season and they're able to offload one or potentially two of them. Uh, but I'm looking long term fit next to Kevin Porter Jr. I, I I lean heavily Jalen Suggs, you know, between those two guys, if only because why would you want to? Yeah, yes, the upside is there with Green, but why would you want to have two, like, offensive-minded guards where the defense becomes a, a distinct liability on your perimeter, whereas Jalen Suggs has shown that he, you know, can be kind of that, that two-way guard next to Kevin Porter Jr. potentially. Yeah, and Suggs fits, you know, the ability to play point guard is just such a massive, I guess, advantage, you know, for him neck and that over green that he doesn't have too. I, I do think that they could coexist in a three guard lineup. It's just, is that the ideal lineup you want to be playing both of them in is the question. Yeah, I mean, and we've seen some stretches where they've run, you know, some three guard sets, um, but it kind of, you know, there, there's some pros and cons to that. You know, it, it limits you a little bit defensively. It, you know, if it reduces your size, if you don't have a strong back line, you know, at your four or five spots to, you know, really hammer the glass and make up for the fact that you're running three guards instead of uh, some extra wings for support defensively on the glass, all that good stuff. But let's go. So we, we kind of already briefly touched offensively. Um, on Jalen Green, kind of where he thrives. Give us a little bit more detail on, on his offensive repertoire and what's made him so lethal uh, this past season in the G League. Yeah, so he actually, he kind of started off cold at the G League. The first couple of games, especially the first one, were pretty rough. But he really came back and bounced back and finished strong, especially as Kuminga uh, got hurt and he finished the season out alone as the, you know, star. 
Uh, but his overall game, pretty much, it's the upside is three-level scoring. He's already a very good finisher despite not having the strength. He's just so acrobatic. can use the athleticism at the rim. So I, I project him to be a very good finisher. He's great in transition, has really good shooting touch. He does need to improve his footwork because he can rush a lot of shots. But overall, you know, the three-level scoring with – I think that's with the athleticism is an outstanding combo that you just don't find very often. From from everything that I've seen, it looks like he has a really solid ability so far to operate kind of off ball. Um, he's a really strong cutter without the ball, and I, I've seen a lot of really impressive finishes from him. Again, kind of displaying that athleticism, backdoor cuts, easy lobs, and attacking the rim, that kind of thing. But what I haven't seen a lot of. And I wonder if this will translate at, to the next level and, and kind of you know further unlock his game. Is can he translate that ability to operate off ball, but become an off ball like shooting threat, right? So you know, come at curling off screens, you know, being able to come off pin downs, that kind of thing, and be able to be a threat to catch and shoot from behind the arc as opposed to just being a cutting threat. Right, because I do think the cutting is a day one trait. I think with the off ball shooting. He does need to improve just like, again, I think this is actually where I saw the most rushed footwork. I don't think it's a day one kind of year one trait that he's going to be good off ball right away in terms of um, really even coming close to that upside. But I do think that one day that is very feasible that he will be good in that area. You know, his his form is kind of weird because his legs, it's almost like a boxy shot. Like it's, it's not completely square. It feels like it's just kind of off. Um, and I think... Something like that kind of hurts him when he also rushes his footwork. So if he can speed up his footwork and improve that boxiness, I think that'll honestly be the unlocking key for his shooting upside. Is there any concern with him and streakiness? Yes, but also you could say that for my, I don't really hold that over like one and done stage, like 19 to 20 year old, just because almost every one of them is going to go through that. Like on almost all my notes, it's like the common denominators need sad strength and, uh, you know, inconsistent in at least one area. Okay. And we're going to talk his defense in just a second, but getting back to his, his playmaking or potentially lack thereof, you know, when it comes to what you've seen out of him so far and how you break down his, uh, you know, infrequency of getting his teammates involved or again I don't want to say inability but where does he need to grow the most as a playmaker to really kind of unlock that area of his game is he is he just tunnel vision into scoring the ball what is it yeah I don't think it's tunnel vision or anything I don't think it's anything mental on that I honestly think having a Titan handled will really do a lot for him just being able to put the ball on a string and and especially once guys are close on him that's when a lot of his turnovers came and he makes good reads. He's just kind of slow in making those reads to an extent. Like he, there's some guys last year, for example, when I watched Josh Green, like he saw something, he might've put a little bit too much sauce on it at times, but he made it happen quick. Jalen Green's a step behind on that. It's not always the quickest play. There's, there were a few times where he tried, you know, splitting the pick and roll defense uh, to find an open cutter and he would end up, th- it was a little bit late. So he would throw it off the foot, some kickball violations. Uh, so those are the two things for me. It's just, tightening that handle and making quicker reads if possible. Defensively, we've talked about the, you know, the the lack of a uh, dominating physical, you know, component for for Jalen Green and the fact that he definitely needs to work on the physical side of things to to not get, you know, bodied on really both sides of the court. But is there anything else that stands out defensively? Any concerns there past just the physical? So I do think he will be a good 
he'll be good at like forcing turnovers, like a defensive disruptor to an extent off ball, you know, playing those passing lanes, but overall his defensive awareness is still raw. So he isn't quite there yet. And also though, to be fair, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on defense. The G league does not play any concept of team defense. So if he got beat off the dribble, that was about as much as we saw. There really wasn't much help defense. There wasn't, all right, rotate to the next guy. It's a quick offense, so it's kind of hard to tell. And I do think ultimately playing in those in the G League next to pros will help him kind of get over that hump quicker in his NBA career. Coming up, Richard and I are going to be talking worst case, best case scenarios, bustability, and of course, we're going to run back our tankathon spin. And we'll get there in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. We've got baseball season in full swing, going strong. NBA playoffs are right around the corner. You can track all of that and more, talking NHL, UFC, all over at BetOnline. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. It's time for you to get in on the action. Head over to their website and use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C. C-K-E-D-O-N for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, breaking down NBA prospect Jalen Green with NBA credentialed draft expert Richard Stamen. You can follow him on Twitter at Mavs Draft. We forgive him for the name because he gives us his insight. Now, Richard, before we get into worst case, best case scenario, all this stuff, was was Jalen Green's game of the year, was that his final game, the playoff game, the, the one that I mentioned at the top, or was there a better game that stands out to you for somebody who really wants to wa- go back in and watch and see really the entire package from Jalen Green? Is there a better game for them to go go check out and survey? Yeah, so I think I think you kind of have to look at the playoff game. I, that was against the Spurs, I think. Um, I can't remember if, how many playoff games they had played, but there was a couple over in March when Kamingo was out. You have to at least watch one of those. I think that'll be very telling for what you think of him because Kaminga took up the ball a lot, so it freed up Jalen Green just to do whatever he wanted. But the other two games that come to mind, there was one against uh, the second game of the year after he had a terrible start against the uh, Santa Cruz Warriors. He played his second game. He went 8 of 12, had 21 points, 5 rebounds. Um, That was a really good game. Just showed off his offensive scoring and everything, his scoring versatility, I should say. And then also, I really liked the game against the Swarm. He went 6 of 9, 17 points, 2 steals, 2 assists, 4 rebounds, and 3 of 5 from 3. Does he, and I should have asked this in the last segment, and it, but it only popped in my head right now. Do, does he have his, like, a favorite move of his, a go-to? What is his, you know, bread and butter move? Because, I, you know, everything that I've seen is he attacks in a variety of ways, but I obviously didn't watch his entire season. I'm going off of, you know, highlights and, and breakdowns. So did you notice anything like that, something that is truly, like, his favorite go-to de facto move? Yeah, I mean, I honestly think he just likes a one dribble size up and then just driving straight past the defender because he can beat anybody off the dribble. I think right now he absolutely loves that move. That and then also off ball, his cutting is just so nice. He loves the fake into the basket. 
Okay, and I, I I did see a great deal of those. That one we did highlight. I mean, some yeah. of the some of the backdoor cuts into just these you know really clean alley oop lobs. You got to give credit to to his teammates for being able to consistently find him on those cuts. So you know you put him in a system with you know some passers like Kevin Porter Jr., John Wall, Jay Sean Tate, Kelly Olynyk. I mean that guy he's gonna get uh, he's gonna get four or five lobs at the rim per game. Uh, so that's an that's gonna be you know potentially really exciting for Rockets fans, but. Let's go now, Richard. Let's go. We'll, we'll go with his worst case scenario. The floor, you know, how where does he where does he fall if if things just go horrendously for him when he translates to the NBA game? Yeah, I think I think he's going to have the harshest floor of anybody we've said so far, even a little bit worse than Kaminga, just because if he can't tighten that handle, I think it reduces so much of his athleticism, which is his absolute best trait. So I, I think his floor is honestly a fringe rotation player. It's it's not a it's not a friendly one. Oh man. And then and then his his best case scenario, the ceiling that you really have, because you, you mentioned earlier, you know, he's got a really high ceiling, really high potential. Where do you see him potentially panning out if everything goes goes perfectly for him? I don't think it's a stretch to say he has perennial all star upside, especially if that playmaking comes along. That's honestly probably the biggest uh factor. And if he can be a even stretch into neutral defense, which I don't think is really that big of a deal, especially for a guard wing, uh, if you can hide him at least. So I think if he's getting that playmaking down in the scoring, you know, not rushed feet, you're probably seeing him averaging 20 points a game with ease and getting 25 and five, I would say, like it's not a stretch. And I think it's so important to highlight, right? This is something we just saw on display in the NBA play-in game against the with with the Golden State Warriors and LA Lakers. Is it's not impossible to hide a, a person, a player who is not exactly a you know plus defender in the NBA. Steph Curry is, for all intents and purposes, a really terrible defender. Um, you know he gets picked on all the time, and yet the Warriors do an excellent job of hiding him and utilizing the players around him to mask his defensive inefficiencies and so down the line you know even if Jalen Green never you know becomes a plus defender in the NBA there's still ways to utilize him you know and take advantage of what he gives you offensively while hiding what he doesn't give you defensively and I think that's so important for people to remember right and I I do think that if he gets under the right coach it'll do wonders for him too you know if there's a coach who just has no idea what he's doing with defense uh, like I have one in mind, but I'm, I'm obviously not going to like just name a terrible coach or anything. But there's some teams that he just isn't a good fit on for that reason. You can name a terrible coach on this podcast. It's okay. Sacramento. Okay. I love it. <laughs> Shout out Matt George. All right. He's going to love that one. Um, all right. What was kind of the what's the more more so middle of the road pathway for for Jalen Green? You're kind of this is the more, most likely scenario for him to pan out as. Honestly, probably being a starter where his playmaking is neutral, you kind of put him in, how do I, I I don't know how to word this right, because no matter how I say this, I'm going to say it anyways, but no matter how I say it, it's going to be misconstrued. You know how like Wiggins gets his 20 points, right? And like, and this year's a little bit bad year, especially after what we just saw in the playing game. Um, You know, I, I think he gets his 20 points, gets his numbers, but it doesn't necessarily add a lot to winning. And I'm not saying he's going to be empty stats, but it's just like, he's one of those guys where you go, yeah, he has nice numbers, but like, you don't really know how much he adds to winning. That's like a median outcome. Okay. All right. Well, Wiggins-esque isn't, isn't exactly the worst. And I think we've seen 
we talked about this last time with Kaminga and how, you know, Wiggins and, you know, by extension, Kuminga might be, you know, the 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 lineage of that uh, Jeff Green-esque, you know, line of players where, you know, they never quite lived up to the hype that was built up for them. And but once people started to accept them for what they did provide and what they could do on the basketball court, they started to become loved and beloved by all. So, you know, that's I can I can. OK, so I could see that. And maybe we put. Maybe we're throwing Jalen Green potentially into that mix as well. But, Richard, that brings us to my favorite stat. I love this. I'm so glad I came up with it. The bustability score for Jalen Green. And as a reminder, you dropped Jonathan Kaminga at a 6 on bustability, which was the first time you went over the score of 5. So where are you putting Jalen Green at? I thought I'd put him at five and a half. Dang. Well, oh, my bad. No, you know, it might have been. No, I no, 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 it no, might have been five you. and a half. I, it might have been no, five I and a half. You. I thought it was six, but. No, I, I trust you. I think in my head, I just misremembered is all. Uh, I would put him probably equal at a six. I, I wouldn't go higher than a six and a or six. Excuse me. I wouldn't go to that six and a half mark. Okay. And is it really just what? What is it about his game that you're you're kind of a little bit more hesitant about translating to the next level? Yeah, I, I wonder if, you know, the shooting, like I said, the off-ball shooting, I think would just, that's a big difference maker. And then also the playmaking. If he's a two-assist, three-assist guy, I don't know how much of an impact he's having. It, it makes it really hard, right? Because you've got a guy like, you know, Jalen Suggs who can clearly, you know, run an offense versus Jalen Green where, you know, if he needs the ball in his hands to be effective, but he can't be a primary playmaker at the same time, then, you know, that's... Uh, a very tough role to allow to be fulfilled in the NBA if he can't be also an off-ball shooting threat, um, unless you just are a transcendent scorer and able to dominate a game that way. Then you know it makes it makes life a little bit harder to find a true role for him on a team, right? Right, and and this is all to be said. I think his ceiling is like a nine ten, like for what it's worth. And I also don't know how un, how realistic it is that he ever hits that floor. I think his floor is. A pretty you know off chance of it happening but if it does it could just go south pretty quick all right richard that brings us to the fateful moment the lottery sim are you ready let's hear it all right here we go oh okay again we got a good one i'm so happy i just uh, retained the pick all right here we go so in <laughs> order starting with number one overall congrats richard orlando jumps up two spots to the number one overall pick New Orleans jumps up six places to the number two overall pick because Zion clearly needs more help. Rockets fall two spots down to number three. And then we've got Cleveland and Detroit rounding out the top five with OKC clocking it at number six. So, Richard, go ahead and you draft for the Magic and the Pelicans. Okay, so number one, I mean, it's the same two. Cade and Mobley will go to those two teams. Uh, Who is number three? That's Rockets, and I'm taking Jalen Suggs at number three. Good pick. I like it. So we've got Cleveland and Detroit at four and five. I think Cleveland would go Kuminga. Ah, that's tough. I, I also just really want Detroit to get Jalen Green. You've, I mean, you've also talked about you know <laughs> Cleveland's kind of glut of, of of guards, and you know you look at that situation, and that that's almost like a perfect situation where you would take the flight risk on Kuminga, right? Because they already have such a stocked pantry full of guards. Yeah, I mean, I do think. Would they be willing to live with themselves because, like, if, you know, Kaminga bust, which because I, I do think, you know, equal equals tough. That's it's so hard. Like, is the risk reward there for them, you know, yeah, with Kaminga over Green? 
makes sense. Uh, but so 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 I mean, do you want to re- do you want to redo that one? Do you want to take no? Do you no, take that? I, I'm just, I'm going to be in a permanent pickle. <laughs> okay. All right. So Cleveland takes Kaminga, and then Detroit goes Jalen Green at number five. Yeah. All right. Okay. And then who are you pulling in for OKC at number six? We'll do one more just for fun. Um, man, I might doing book night or no. I want to. I really do. But I actually do think that this guy is about as safe of like a six to eight guy that Oklahoma City will have another pick in the draft. They can swing somewhere else. I'm really not confident after number five for a lot of these teams to actually pull a trigger and take a swing safely because they're not going to take book night. He's the one guy I would do that for. Uh, All that to be said, I would go Moses Moody. Really safe, I think. Can just do that three and D role. Probably add some more. Has good upside. That's who I would go with. All right, Richard. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to be here with us again. It's always fun doing these breakdowns. I learn more about these guys. Our listeners learn more about these guys. And it's always very insightful and informational. What do you have coming out on Locked on NBA? Yeah, so we're going to start doing uh, some mock drafts, I think, are going to be coming soon. More scouting reports are coming. And uh, as workouts and combines and stuff open up, uh, I think you'll start hearing more recaps on that. Awesome. Looking forward to it. It's excellent coverage. As always, if you haven't checked out the Locked on NBA Draft podcast, you absolutely need to go check it out. Richard, where can people track you down at? Yeah, at Mavs Draft on Twitter. And then uh, I write for myself all the scouting reports go on in mock drafts, big boards. They'll go on MavsDraft.com. All right, that is going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Rockets covering NBA draft prospect Jalen Green. As always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.